We are Brightside Home Theater. Hey, home theater nerds, welcome to the Brightside Home Theater Podcast, a home theater podcast that's all about the experiences. Oh, and the experience today is I get to sit down with Brent Butterworth again, again, buddy, back mm. for the third time. I can't believe it. Uh, it's been a year. Uh, we've been working at this for about a year to get you back. <laughs> mm. Very busy. Boy. How you been? I hope, I hope it's all going to be worth it. Um, I've been okay. I'm, 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 I just, I just drove for four days to yeah. go from Seattle to Houston to visit my family. So, um, I'm, I'm kind of recovering from that. And two of the days were pretty snowy and icy. And, oh. uh, but I got to listen to nonstop new music all the way. So that was great. Um, and other than that, I'm just, I just got here. I'm just trying to figure out like what, what I'm trying to get settled in and trying to get like, like go buy some food that I like to eat and stuff like that. You know, and trying to, you know, go see my mom. Yeah. It's just, you know, holiday. Yeah. Family. So you're in Houston right now. I'm in Houston right now. Yeah. Oh, wow. My buddy that I podcast with lives in Houston. He's in oh, Houston. Really? Yeah. John, oh. my buddy, John, uh, that We're I do this in Houston. Uh, you know? no, not exact. Not off the top of my head. I know. I know how to get oh, okay. there from the airport. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't know. That's not going to help me. Yeah, exactly. That's not going to help you. Um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. So you drove? Do you like, are I you drove. like John Madden? Do you have a fear of fr flying or something? Or No, I have a, <laughs> hang on a sec. <laughs> oh, there you go. What's her name? Oh, he doesn't have headphones on, so that doesn't help. <laughs> What's the her worst name? behaved dog, Missy, the worst Missy. behaved dog in the world. And I don't, I don't want to fly with her because she'll just raise ruckus and yeah. God knows what. So, uh, and, and she's getting old. This is probably, yeah, this might be her last trip down here. So, uh, I figure I'll make one more run with her. <laughs> yeah. There you go. What you a know, great, um, what a great doggy dad you are. Could, yeah, you could have you could have you know. put her in a daycare. You could have done a lot of other things, but nope. Oh, it costs a fortune. Oh my god. <laughs> god. Well, and I, no. I adopted her from my mom. So oh. I, since since I took her over from my mom, when my mom you know was on a walker and stuff and couldn't really take care of her, so I took her and so I bring her down to see the family and everything. So it's it's partly for them and and partly. I mean, she's she's a good traveler. You know, she's no. fine. She just. Uh, you know, just sort of limits the hotels you could stay in. And also it kind of, I can't like go off on some awesome meal and some great, you know, rustic restaurant in the middle of God knows where, because, you know, I got to deal with her. I can't like leave her in the car, yeah. not, not in, you know, Idaho where it was like 20 something and not in Houston where it's 80 Yeah, right now. So, oh, well, yeah, you're here now. And uh, yes, I'm here. You're here. I'm in a safe, comfortable space. There you go. Oh, I'm glad you're comfortable. On your podcast, not yeah, here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so the incredible year that you've had. I I you and I, we talked last December. We did Iron Man 3, you know, because we like to get together yeah. for the holiday classics, you know, yeah. Iron Man 3, yeah. 
first blood <laughs> that the fun stuff right yeah and wouldn't you know what february you started your own podcast you 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 that was in february i was like i was shocked i cuz i didn't yeah. what you didn't you hadn't done podcasts or anything i've been listening to you for a while now i didn't pick you up yeah. right away but it's it's awesome is oh, it thanks. fun? Well, it, it, it was, oh, it's total fun. And Dennis Berger is one of my best friends mm. that has been for 20 years and who, who does the podcast with me. Yeah. And it wasn't even, it was just sort of a spur of the moment thing because uh, Doug Schneider, who's the head of soundstage said, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I think, I think Dennis and I, Dennis somehow posted, you know, he had called me for technical advice about some audio matter mm-hmm. and which happens a lot and people, <laughs> called me all the time about audio stuff and so he he actually like recorded the conversation and put a transcription of the conversation in for the article i guess because he was too lazy to write the article but um <laughs> hey it works exactly <laughs> it works I mean, i'm gonna I'm have a com- writer. now did I've he that plan times. that out that way like i'll have a conversation and make an article no. out of it or <laughs> no he just thought he just he, he transcribed it he thought this is this is great this is really entertaining i'll just make this the article but i've done look i'm not I've done that many times as a yeah. professional no, no, reporter no. or whatever. But, uh, and so Doug saw that and, and Doug, I think already had it in mind to do a podcast just to promote soundstage. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so we agreed to do it and, and just started kind of digging in. And I, and, you know, we've kind of got, uh, a, a, you know, like a formula down and we've kind of figured out how to do it with a reasonable level of fidelity and how to edit it and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I've been banging it out. Yeah, I've been listening to you. I I like listening to your um your little on-air conversations about behind the scenes, about your editing and stuff like that. Early on, you and then you came up with what it's um uh what what is it? Uh Butterburger Productions? Butter Is that yeah, what it Butter is? Butterburger Productions. I love yes. that. And it a listener yeah. came up with that, right? Yes. Yes. It, yeah, like halfway yes. through the year, it was like, because I'm listening, you guys, I don't know what we're going to call it. And then like the, a couple weeks later, you're like, we, a listener wrote in or something came I up. I want to say it was my friend Carnell. Oh, was my, it? You know, one of my, I, I have lots of sort of audio friends mm. who I've met at various events and things like that or through other friends and et cetera. I met him through my buddy up in uh, Vancouver, Canada, yeah. who does innovative audio. And so Carnell's like a customer of theirs and so i, I kind of got on his facebook and we go back and forth and um so yeah he he i think we had a contest and i think i think he was supposed to win something but i don't think we actually sent him anything but um <laughs> i sent him a copy of my cd although that's kind of like a it's not exactly a prize um <laughs> but so uh, uh anyway yes so that's that it's 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 butter burger productions and so because since we we don't decide who's going to edit it until usually we're done and we figure out who's got time that week to edit it you know yeah yeah i just i was just talking about you the other day when i had somebody on because he he as well is an editor he does he works in uh video production and stuff with Mm -hmm. sound and i was talking about dennis's idea of what is he he runs like a a background noise while he's editing so that he can t- remember he said that in the podcast months oh, and months ago yeah and yeah, you I were like that's that, a yeah. great idea and i was like i wanted to ask him about it, the uh, travis that i had on i wanted to ask him about it because i do all my editing through headphones 
Mm-hmm. And, yeah, me too. And it's like, I'm like, is there an advantage to using speak? Because he uses speakers as, Travis is, uses speakers as yeah. well with a background noise. I'm like, I've never even thought of that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I do it all in headphones. But you know, I know what, I know like what pan settings I'm going to use and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. And and I use good headphones and mm. that aren't real colored sounding. And, um, you know, I just, and I'm just too lazy. I, I do, I do this on my couch with my dog sitting at my side right. and, you know, with, and a drink at hand and kind of, you know, setting up a better, I mean, I, if I were to listen to speakers, I usually have to set them up Yeah, and uh, just more, more time commitment. Whereas I can just plug the headphones in and yeah. do it. And, and so far it's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't hear a, a distinct difference between Dennis's edits, which he probably no. spends twice as much time on and my edits. Right. So, yeah, you know, I wouldn't know that he, he kind of he most yeah, he people don't know. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah. He you know, he's always telling I, I got him I, like he he wasn't even on like a digital audio workstation. I got him to get Reaper and he's just like, oh, my God. So he's been teaching me stuff about Reaper Oh, okay. because he's been digging. I mean, I've already done an album on Reaper, actually two albums on Reaper. And he's teaching me all this stuff, which is, you know, he's the kind of guy who's going to go in and really dig super deep. And that's yeah. why he reviews say AB receivers, which I wouldn't touch. Right. Yeah. You said that. Come on. Life's too short. <laughs> it so, <is>. it, <laughs> you said that. And I've heard, that's why I started listening. Well, obviously it was you. And I was like, Ooh, I get to hear Brent all the time now. Well, only twice a month. You guys got to go to weekly. Come on. You're killing me. You guys have so much fun. And honestly, it's like listening to you guys is it's, I, I hear you guys. And I think of the comments that I get from people that are like, I wasn't even a home theater fan. And I like you, John and myself are like really good friends. And they're like, it's the rapport and you guys rapport. You got, you're laughing, you're joking. Uh, and I, I'm, I kind of, I, I kind of get an extra chuckle when you guys go at people. Like, I think you got a one-star review or something once and you went at them. I do the same thing. And like, <laughs> Dennis was so funny. He's getting so upset, but he was like, you guys have such a rapport that I'm not an audiophile yet. And we'll get to that. But I listened, I'm a home theater fan. That's, I met you through, well, met you through home okay. theater magazine in the early nineties, yeah. as we talked about, but yeah. you know, that. but this audio file stuff, I've been listening to you and now a friend of mine made me some speakers and we'll talk about that in a little bit Ooh. too, but your yeah. podcast is just, you do get into, you drop in some home theater stuff every now and then. And just recently, I think yeah. you got talked about it with, uh, with Steve, how do you say it? I know Guttenberg, Guttenberg, Guttenberg. not Gutenberg, the actor. But Guttenberg. No, although he still gets he gets calls for Steve Gutenberg, the actor, all the time. Does he really? Still, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I've been well, reading him in Brooklyn, home theater is, too. So I've, I, as soon as you guys said it when he was on, I was like, "Ooh, I've I've never." I know. I found out through your podcast. He has his own YouTube channel. I didn't know. Oh, that. he's huge. I, oh, he's, I he was that. one of the. He's one of the guys. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He was one of the first ones to really like jump into it. And so he's, he, and there's like two other people that are really super pop that are like over 200,000 subscribers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, he does, he does really well. It's the only thing he does now. He quit his other jobs to do that. Yeah. I knew him from the magazine articles and stuff. I always loved reading his stuff as well. So hearing him with you guys the other day and same thing, same report, stuff like fun, fun stuff. But 
Um, and well, and we've all been friends for, I introduced, I met Dennis in 2000 when I was working for Dolby. Yeah. I met Steve in, uh, 98, I think, or 97 when he was, he, I, I had been editor of home theater magazine. They kind of deposed me for a while and then they got rid of the guy they replaced me with and put me back in place. And I got Steve dumped on me, who was like this guy, who this guy had hired as a writer. I was kind of like, oh, what am I going to do with this guy? And then I, I met him. I was like, oh, God, this guy's great. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, then I, inter- I, was ple- I had the pleasure of introducing Steve and Dennis, oh, God, like in 2005, 2006. And uh, yeah, so yeah. face-to-face. We never, you know, we, we, I see Steve face-to-face every God, three years now, maybe. Yeah, sadly. Oh. So, yeah, Steve, and what? What? His, uh, what's wrong with candles? That is, that's what you yeah. called them, <laughs> Steve. What's wrong with? So because he like my upgrade? joke was, <laughs> my joke was that if he because he came back, I was editing a, a website called E Town, and he was a contributor, and he, he went to some press event. It was a major press event, like a Samsung or something or Sony, and. He came back and it was a kind of major announcement. He's kind of like, yeah. And I said, if you, if you had gone to the press event where Edison announced the first light yeah. bulb, you just said, what's wrong with candles? <laughs> so, and he thought, he's like, yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what? We don't have time for this. I got a candle. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it, it, that's what I'm talking about. It's like all of that stuff. And but the audio file stuff that you guys have been talking about and, and like I said, I'm just getting into it because of these speakers. I've always been around yeah. it. I've done two channel when I was a kid, but I was just a kid. I didn't know it was, wasn't called two channel or anything like that. It was like, yeah, it's just how you listen to music. It really wasn't until the advent of like home theater that you had to specify two channel, right? Stuff like that. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. And you did, well, let's get what you've said some stuff over the past year that you're like, and you use magazines and I wish I had it in like written down and stuff, but you use magazine are magazines themselves in mm-hmm. their, um, their success or demise, like the home theater magazine and how you yeah. said like stereophile magazine. I think that that was the one you picked. And you said like, that's got, you thought that was going away when home theater came around in the nineties oh, yeah. and then one went away yeah. and then the other came back. Uh, like still sta- here and home theater yeah. is long gone. God. And what I, I want well, to, it's converted into sound and vision now, but still. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It consolidated down. Like everything went yeah. like home theater got observed, absorbed into sound and vision. Um, what one, do you think home theater has gone away like not gone away but is is diminishing or do you think that people just aren't reading it it's like i found that really interesting because i love it it has it has changed a lot Mm -hmm. so it has become a lot more uh the home theater enthusiast has become different it used to be more uh casual people and i think when we were doing home theater magazine it was more like that but with the advent of web forums it's become much more serious and so you have a lot of super, super in-depth reviews. You have a lot of super in-depth articles about different video formats and other TV stuff, which I used to understand, but don't know. Um, you have a lot of uh, very technically savvy people. You have a lot of people who are doing their own measurements now with RoomEQ Wizard. 
Uh, it has just changed into a much more sophisticated thing. But at the same time, it's become, I think, somewhat less popular because sound bars are so good. And well, for two reasons. Number one, sound bars are, have gotten to be so much better than they were 15 years ago. So yeah. much better. And second of all, so much of viewing now is on iPads and phones. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, you're probably not going to sit there with your iPad and then have some giant, you know, THX theater system. I mean, you could. Right. I think I did that once, actually. But, um, you know, <laughs> people just aren't going to do that. And the younger the person is, the less likely they're going to watch on a traditional screen. So the, the traditional TV screen is dying out as well. Not dying out, but it's less important than it used to be. It might die out because all my friends who have kids tell me their kids never watch a traditional TV screen. They watch an iPad. Right. It, so it's changing a lot. It is. It is. That's, and I don't think, I think it's, hmm. is it fair to say that maybe home theater got big, but now is coming down to the level of say like two channel where two channel had gone down a little bit. Home theater got big and now it seems like it's going down. But I feel like just by your description, that home theater is potentially people like myself that have dedicated rooms or my listeners that have dedicated rooms or living rooms dedicated to that have mm -hmm. a have a theater in them, right? A five, one setup or more, yeah. um, anything more than a sound buy, right? Does, do you think that those like that's as niche as two channel is like, like you said, not as many people are listening Maybe. to channels at home either. They're usually listening on, crappy earbuds that they bought at the Walmart yeah, or, or something, you know, or a car or, or, or right. little Bluetooth speakers. Well, I, I, I really think that I think that yeah, you're probably right. I don't have numbers on that, but I would, yeah. I would just guess and say that, you know, the, the, the two are kind of roughly equal in size in terms of home theater enthusiasts and two channel audio enthusiasts, just that the home theater enthusiasts don't have a show they can go to. Whereas the audio enthusiasts, you know, the two channel guys have how many shows are there in the U S now? Right. Ten, a dozen. It's a lot of shows you can go to. And the retail environment for home theater is also pretty weak. You know, you can go to a custom installer, but that's not really a retail environment. You can go to Best Buy, but they're not going to carry any kind of elevated brands. I guess I guess they still have Magnolia, but it's not like there's all these dealers all over the place. And I, but I think really, if you think about it, though, you can go spend a thousand bucks on a TV at Best Buy. Now, let's say you can spend 800 on a TV at Best Buy and you can close your eyes and feel your way around and hit a 65 inch or whatever. And any of them are going to be better than any of the TVs we ever reviewed for Home Theater Magazine. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, they're going to be better than the, the, the highest end TV that you could get in, in that Sound and Vision reviewed, you know, six or eight years ago. Right. Is it's inferior to the generic whatever you get at Best Buy for 800 bucks now. So I, it's just become so much more mainstream. And the fact that you can go buy a really good sound bar for 500 bucks or something that has maybe has surround speakers or it has really good. Uh, I have the new Polk Magnify Mini AX, which is only that big, but it's got, you know, Polk SDA. So it's basically got, uh, you know, beam forming and all this stuff. And it's just, it sounds like surround speakers. It's amazing. So 
the thing is when you can go to Best Buy and get a, a what for most people is a mind-blowingly good home theater experience for 1500 bucks easy easy right everything um, yeah everything soup to nuts and and you know of course a, a blu-ray player or not or just stream or just off the tv tv apple tv yeah fire stick yeah or whatever you've whatever yeah. you've got and that is a, a an incredible experience so i think so many more people have that kind of thing i mean the house i just moved into up near seattle they had a they had a, a, you know like a i think it was a uh a good had a, a Vizio TV, Vizio soundbar, like really good stuff, and that was their home theater. And I, I assume they really enjoyed it. They took it with them. Not that I needed any yeah. gear, but um, it would have just been more stuff to to sit in the pile. Um, but that I think it's just it's be, it has become to where the average consumer can just go to Best Buy right now and go throw down fifteen hundred bucks and bring home something they can set up themselves. And that the whole family can operate, by the way, because you plug the soundbar in and it just works like it's part of the TV. Right. And and have a, a really incredible experience, whereas in the home theater magazine days, you had to spend 10000 bucks at least to get that, maybe 20000 to get that experience. And you, if you were pretty savvy, you could hook it up, but nobody else in the family could work it. And... And, you know, sometimes the products themselves were really flaky. I still remember the days when, when manufacturers would bring over their own surround decoders and their own AV receivers and not be able to get them to work. Oh, jeez. The manufacturers who made them. The, <laughs> just, not just me. <laughs> <laughs> they can't get it. Oh. They couldn't but get them to work. That, I mean, but that was the early days, though. That was like yeah. what we, I mean, we, I was doing it in my house. I'm trying to yeah. manufacture a home theater myself by throwing together whatever I could to get as many speakers as I could, you know? It's, it's, as an enthusiast pursuit, it's become yes. more like two channel. Yes. Whereas with, uh, you know, it's, but also you can go buy it at Best Buy for 1500 bucks and get a really incredible experience. It's better than anything you could have done back in the old right. theater magazine days. And so with, with everything that you just said, what I was thinking mm -hmm. is it's almost like home theater is becoming more, more popular, but the people don't know they're doing it. They have TVs and a yeah, sound bar, kinda. but, ne but then to get to our level, like the audiophile level. And I, I actually did put that in my notes. I wanted to know what, do, what do we call home theater files? That's too long. Is it HT files? Because you have cinema file, I, I you have audio file. Well, Cut the file. <laughs> I, I say, I just say home theater enthusiast. Yeah. It's because that's what we are. I mean, it's just enthusiasts. Yeah. It's like, I mean, the people that are serious about it, they have a good receiver, surround processor, whatever, and that have maybe a right. flat mode system and have something even a cut above maybe the, the best TV at Best Buy or, or maybe a projector. Yeah. Yeah. I have a so, projector. Yeah. I was hoping to get a file, but I guess, I guess enthusiast is okay. <laughs> like yeah. cinephile well, I mean, audio hey, look, man i am far from the i am far from the arbiter of this stuff nobody listens no, no, to me no. so you can call it whatever you want i'm just joking um but but yeah so like people get the sound bar and then if they want more of uh, to enhance that experience they would get mm -hmm. into what we have right that so it's kind of like yeah. they're breaking the ground they they know they want more than their tv speakers and then if they want to go further, that's when they become the enthusiast. 
And very similar to, hey, I'm used to listening to my music on my headphones or in the car, but I really want to try this two-channel thing. So mm -hmm. it's, I feel like, I feel like they're very similar in that way. They are. It's all, it's always an upgrade that's not necessary. To right. Say that. It's just because you, you want to have a better experience and you want to see, not only do you want to have a better experience, you want to see what else is out there and you want to see, it's sort of like if you, you know, you have a car that gets you to the grocery store just fine, but maybe you want to, maybe you see these sports cars running around and you think like, what would it be like to drive one of those? And yeah, maybe you go buy one or maybe, a, maybe a friend has one and you try it out and you kind of go like, yeah, I think I'll get one. I mean, there's, it's, it's like that in, in any kind of enthusiast, hobbyist pursuit. I mean, it could be, you know, bicycles. It could be, I don't know, sewing. It could be all sorts of stuff. Yeah. No, I love the car analogy. Cause it is, it's yeah. like, we all drive. Right. But then you get that sports car and it's like, then you're a car enthusiast. Right. So there yeah. you go. It's, yeah. it's like, same I mean, thing. It's everybody same drives, thing. but not everybody is enthusiastic about it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how do you, let me ask you, how do you and Dennis come up with your ideas for the shows? Because they just, you're, I, I just wanted to pick your brain on that. It's, it's, it, it is really good. Um, and I love your format. You have your three, three topics. You, you mm -hmm. get your topics out there to everybody. You, you take a little break. And when we start talking to channel a little bit, I'm one of the things I want to do is start to listen to some of your break music with my two channels. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, that's what, that's what we hope. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it, and I'm, and like I said, I'm not a two channel. I wasn't a two channel person. I don't sit still to listen to music. Mm -hmm. Um, but I listen to your podcast when I'm at work and one channel, a single earbud in while I'm working. And yeah. when we come to those breaks, I don't fast forward. I actually sit there and go, this is going to be fun. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, now, now I'm thinking like, wait, people fast forward to those breaks. Everybody fast forwards and skips all over the place. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, the world we're well, living we have, in now. We it's a, a microwave world. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, we just put the music in to kind of give people an easy to find break in between the, right. I mean, if people like it, that's fine. But yeah. Uh, and we were inspired by David Chesky, who's doing like a lot of this uh, sort of, I think he calls it mega dimensional sound or something where he tries to get sort of Atmos type effects using a standard, you know, uh, a digital audio workstation and whatever yep. plugins he can do. And so we're kind of trying to get some of that same thing where it's, where it's a fun 30 to 45 seconds of, of audiophile stuff and you get a lot of stereo effect and you got a lot of things going on that might be kind of tantalizing to the ear. Yeah. But the, the, the place that we get our ideas is um, he gets, you know, we, what we, we have a podcast idea sheet basically that's on Google docs. And I think he gets his ideas from hanging out on various forums and following other people's, you know, other audio dudes, Facebook pages. Okay. Which I don't have the patience for, but he does. And so, uh, you know, he'll, he'll find this stuff. And so he'll, he'll find out, uh, he'll look at someone like Sean Olive, you know, the very famous audio researcher who works for Harmon, mm -hmm. uh, and he'll see what Sean's talking about. And that may lead him to something that, uh, that we should talk about me personally. I'm on, I shouldn't probably reveal this, but, <laughs> I put myself on the mailing list of all the publications that really pissed me off. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so 
<laughs> so they send me their articles. They're like, hey, here's this great article on something which I think is completely ridiculous. Oh. And so then I'll kind of throw that stuff in there. And usually it's like somebody with a lot of two channel. Yeah. And this, I'm, I'm happy to say this is rarely the case with home theater. With a lot of two channel, a lot of it is really just technically absurd and, and way outside the realm of science or, or anything. And so we like to kind of bring some objective reality to some of it and sort of point out, I mean, hey, look, anybody can go do a review of whatever headphones or amplifier or whatever, and they can say it's great. And I, I don't care. Right. But we have, uh, I know the next podcast we're doing, you know, somebody, some guy did a, a review, like, you know, or did like an editor's pick on a, a streamer, right? That streams, you know, stuff off of, Kovas or or Tidal or, or Spotify or whatever, and also pull stuff off of like networked hard drives, right? Like a like basically like a Sonos does. Yeah. But this this thing's thirty thousand bucks. It's got and the writer's talking about how it has seven hundred fifty thousand microfarads of storage capacitance in it for a streamer. <laughs> okay. And seven hundred fifty thousand microfarads would be more than most like giant power amps that are those those humongous two hundred pound power amps. Most of those don't have that much storage capacity. So we're going to talk about how, look, yeah, a manufacturer can do that, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't actually help it. It's just for advertising. And the writer should, should understand what storage capacitance does and how much you actually would need for something like a server versus right. a power amplifier. So we love to tackle topics like that yeah. or, or, you know, when people are making claims that are just, look, again, I don't care what amp, I don't care what no. products people buy, go buy whatever turns you on, man. I don't, I don't have the cheapest possible guitar or bass you can buy, but you know, at least understand what, when manufacturers are making technical claims, especially as you get, and we can, I hope we'll talk more about this as you get more into two channel audio, oh, yeah. the, the technical claims get more and more absurd. And you, you have to, again, go buy whatever you want, but at least don't go into it thinking that, you know, some little doohickey that's like that big is going to like transform the sound of your entire <laughs> system. And it's like a 10, like a 10 cent piece of plastic or who knows what. So that's how we get our ideas is basically we just kind of, uh, and, and you know, every, every, like, I think most podcasts, we, you know, we dial each other up on, on Riverside uh, and we talk for half an hour, 45 minutes or something and we figure out what we're going to tackle, what makes sense. And, you know, we always do something from soundstage because we're promoting soundstage, but yeah. fortunately soundstage has nine microsites. So there's always something going on on soundstage we can comment on. Um, and they cover, you know, a really wide range of, of audio things. So yeah. there's always plenty to talk about. I mean, you talk about doing it weekly. It's, it's not like the thought hasn't occurred to me, at least. I don't know about Dennis. I haven't brought it up with Dennis. We'll, <laughs> well he's the partner, so you kind of got to. <laughs> it's like you do every other week by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but I, it's just honestly the idea just occurred to me literally like yesterday. I think. Oh, really? Like, huh. I wonder if we should. It might even have been this morning. Um, I was kind of thinking, because you know, there's a podcast I cover, I, I cover, I, I follow 
I love so much called um, The History of Rock Music in 500 Songs. Okay. And that guy has, that it is just the most, he, his research, I mean, he'll, he'll do an hour or two on some artist you've barely heard of. And then, but then he, he explains to you how, why that artist and that song is important. And he understands harmony. He understands, so he'll actually play examples for you on guitar and things like that. And his research is so deep. It's just mind blowing things I've learned. But he does, every, for his Patreon subscribers, he does every, I think he does a new main podcast every two weeks, but then he does like an in-between one for Patreon subscribers. It's like oh, 20 wow. minutes. It's not, yeah. like the, not like the two-hour effort. It's just like, yeah. okay, well, this, this song wasn't important enough to be included in the 500 songs, but then he'll cover a band like Moby Grape, who mm-hmm. he just covered. And so I kind of thought, like, maybe we should do something like that. But it's just I, literally we haven't discussed. No promises. Dennis, I, don't get mad at me, et cetera. That's fine. It's it, well, I have a couple of directions I'm going here. Uh, we will get to two channel. I think it's funny. I almost, okay. I almost felt bad talking two channel with you because the last two times you were on, we talked home theater predominantly. Uh, yeah. you, you said you both times you're like, I had a lot of fun cause everybody wants to talk to channel with you, but I did, I didn't want to bore. I mean, that's what you talk about all the time. So I, I know you love it, but I'm glad we can talk it because I'm, I'm, we're going to, yeah. we're, we're going to be ed- giving me some education here. But, um, uh, quickly you said you use Riverside as well. That's a little plug for yeah. them. Cause that's what I'm, that's what obviously, you know, we're on that right yeah, now. It's it's, like, yeah. It's, isn't it? I don't, I don't know of another way to do this. I mean, we, I think Dennis and I actually tried doing it through a uh, zoom one time. Oh but, God. Oh boy. No, don't. I mean, nothing against zoom, but zoom yeah. is not set up to do this there. You can do it. Yeah. It's, no. it's not going to turn out good. No, you get the, you get the separate audio tracks, you get everything that like, so that yeah. you can manipulate this. And it, you know, it allows you to do a lot more. And I don't even, as we're doing right now, I'm like, I'm not even recording. I record an OBS, but if I have to, um, but I know you're on a phone and it makes it go a little wonky then, but, um, but no, I love Riverside. Uh, It's, it's, you know, it's great. But anyways, um, oh man, what was I going to say? Uh, the other thing is, so when you guys are are setting this stuff up and, Mm -hmm. um, the way you go at it, I, I love it's, and again, I I'm listening to you too. And it reminds me of myself because you do a really good job at just staying positive on everything. And even in your ex- explanation to us a few minutes ago, you were just sitting there and you're sitting and you're going, Hey, listen to whatever you want to listen to, but know what you're getting into. So you're, it, it sounds like you're combating the, the ignorance that people are getting, but they don't know. But you're, you're, you're having fun doing it and you're always saying like, you can do this. And I don't know how many times you make the reference of like, you put a little doohickey on top of your speaker. It's going to change it as much as this product, whatever review you're talking about. And you're like, if I put a piece of paper on my speaker, (laughs) it's like, it's like, you know, on top of the speaker, it's going to change it as much as whatever this is, but what I mean is it's like you get into the like, hey, it's a thirty thousand dollar speaker. If you can afford it and that's what you want, that's great. But you know that you can get the same out of this or that. And you do you guys do a really good job at just staying positive and not like well, you're not nice. put, putting you're not putting people down for buying that good stuff. You're actually complimenting the stuff. There is a value there, but you get into it. 
and I don't think I've ever heard you say this on the podcast, but like diminishing returns. I don't think you really yeah. say that, but that's a, that's basically what you're talking about all the time. Yeah. But you know, I, w- what's the point of, you can't, you, I, it's hard to say this is the point of diminishing returns for anything. Right. Right. I mean, I, I, I have a $4,000 base, right. And double base, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I, I have played better bases than mine. Um, and I've played a lot of worse bases than mine. So I know I could step up some, but I don't think that by, based on what I've played, I really don't think that spending more than about six or seven or eight grand is going to get me a base that is really greater. But then again, I'm not Ron Carter, although he doesn't play expensive bases. I'm not some you know orchestral dudes who play with a bow and have to play all kind of crazy stuff. And I have to play really loud because those guys right. have to be loud because they don't have any amps. Um, for those guys, the break point might be 20 grand or 30 grand or who knows what. Um, so, and I think it's the same thing with, with audio gear as well. Look, all this audio gear can, can tell you what's in the music as, as long as the audio gear is reasonably decent. And once you get that beyond that point, yeah, the experience can get better, but I, I I feel that sometimes the the promise they the promise is always a better experience, right? Mm. It's not like oh this is it's not like when you buy uh, 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 cheap clothing versus I point to my own um, cheap clothing versus nice clothing. No one's going to say like it always transforms the living experience or whatever. They're just going to say hey, it's nicer clothing, you know, right and no one's going to say, oh, my $10,000 amplifier is better than a $2,000 Parasound because it's got a fancier faceplate. They're going to say, oh, it's musically better. It's more musically rewarding and blah, 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 which probably not. Not. Right. Um, and, and I just and, and they make all sorts of specious claims about why it's more musically you know, truthful or something. And none of this is rooted in science or, and, and it's usually not re- rooted in engineering either. Um, and then they start telling a story about the, you know, the, the storied brand, you know, that audiophiles have revered for, I don't know, right. F- 50 years or two weeks or whatever. Um, so I kind of, feel like that industry I, I've, I've been doing, I've been covering two channels since the early nineties when I was mm-hmm. first really introduced to it as a, as a hobbies pursuit. Right. Um, by reading stereophile when stereophile was only that big. Mm-hmm. And um, back then people were trying to figure out like how to, how to get good sound because they didn't know. And now we know, but people are still pretending that we don't know. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh Yeah. It's a, yeah, the, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Cause we get it, you get it in home theater too. Uh, especially when it comes to subwoofers and stuff like that. It's like people, there's a lot of stuff that's been learned about subwoofers over say oh, and, yeah. and how to place them and everything over the last, what, 10, 15 years. And people are still like, you know, nope, you need the, you need two across the, you know, it placed in front next to your speaker. And like, they, they ignore a lot of, you know, proven stuff you know, a lot of information yeah. that is out there, but they just haven't seen it yet. So they don't know. And it's okay. 
Um, it, it, that that's the internet, though. Yeah, well, you know, I was just on. I I was googling because a lot of times when I need to find an article I wrote so I can see what I said. Um, I just rather than a lot of times this, just googling something gets you there faster than going to the website and then searching. Right. And so I Google my own articles a lot, and once in a while I stumble upon something, and some guys on. Oh, I can't remember what website it was. Uh, I really can't remember. But they were trashing some article I've written about subwoofers without actually giving any critique of it. They're just saying, well, this is idiotic. And oh, well, they were they're really like trashing me right and right and left. And you know, I I I've been trashed. Look, you've been doing this for a long enough time. People are gonna trash you, and sometimes you really enjoy being trashed. It depends mm-hmm. on who's doing it, because sometimes you're just Back in the old home theater days, we get an occasional letter that was written in all caps. Like, yeah. like some guy had to do that with his printer, with his computer or, or whatever, had to do it in all caps. And it's like, and, and it'd be just like ranting and we'd love it. And we usually publish them. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm used to that. It doesn't really bother me. But I actually went on the website and said, look, if you guys have any actual data to present, that, that contradicts what I said or that disproves what I said. Hey, let I want to know. I want. I'm the first that wants to know if I'm wrong about something. And I also said, Hey, if you don't like what I'm saying, you know, I do blind listening tests. Yeah. So what I'm saying is what, as often as possible, what I'm saying about an audio product is what multiple people have said. People that I brought into the listening. I said, Look, if you guys want to have an influence over what I say, be on my listening panels. And, you know, you'll even get paid some tiny amount and it'll be fun and you don't have to do anything except for show up and listen. And I got and I said, I always tell people I don't give people my email address, but anybody with a with a anybody who can whose breath can fog a mirror can find my email address (laughs) and and can just and nobody emailed me. I was really disappointed. So I'll say to your viewers. If you want to be on my listening panel and you're kind of in the Seattle area. Uh, you can find me. Oh, you, nice. it's, I'm, I couldn't. I, I'm. I'm very easy to find. Yeah. By design, you can even find my phone number. But please email me. Don't call no. me um, <laughs> <laughs> until you get to know me. Then you can call me. Right. Right. But um, but yeah, I, I'd love to have more listening panelists. And you don't have to be someone with 20 years experience. It right. could be someone who's. Just, I, I don't really care. I want to get a wide range of opinions from people. Right. And also. Um, people who think they're great listeners, once you've done a few blind tests, you have a much more humble attitude about what you're actually able to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so that's maybe why some people don't like to do them. It, well, it's fun. It depends on what you've done. And um, I've used this analogy in the past, but I, when I started um, mountain biking, um, my, mm. my parents bought me a mountain bike. Now I grew up biking, right? Road biking, mm-hmm. BMX biking, all that through the woods and stuff. Uh, mountain biking came to be like mid nineties or whatever. My parents went yeah. to Sears, you know, Sears and Roebuck and bought me mm-hmm. like this mountain bike. And it, th- the thing weighed like 55 pounds. It was a heavy bike. And that's what I started on. And then I upgraded each piece on it. And I actually did a mountain up here, um, mm-hmm. Gunstock mountain in New Hampshire. My wife sent me and my buddy away that we, w- we mountain bike together all the time sent us away and they weren't running lifts. So we had to climb the mountain 
and I had to carry the 55 pound bike up the mountain, but then you got to ride the downhills. My point in all this is I started with the worst, the crappiest Mm -hmm. bike, but by the end that gives you the appreciation for each piece, each upgrade, each bike after that, so that you understand the value in what those are. So if you've been listening to the same thing your whole life, but you think you have a good ear and it's like, you don't know, you haven't been listening to enough different stuff. And I've had, I have a few listeners that I've had on the podcast as well that are Mm -hmm. audiophiles and, you know, picking their brain and, and learning how they hear stuff. And I'm starting to realize maybe I have a better ear than I thought I did because I've come up through home theater and I've listened to a bunch of different stuff, trying to tune my system, going to get, Mm -hmm. you know, going to hear examples elsewhere on what's good, what's bad. And it, it takes that type of listening, right? Listening to multiple systems throughout years and years to get that tuned ear. And I'm not by any stretch saying I'm an audio or I have a special ear, but I, I can appreciate what you're saying. And you do say in the podcast a bunch that it is nice getting like newbies in or something to, to get a different yeah. perspective. Yeah. Because that's the person, especially with so much of what I write, that person's going to be buying online or they're going to buy mm-hmm. through Best Buy, maybe even like Walmart or Costco. And they are not going to be the the people with the AV receivers and the 10,000 bucks worth of speakers. And I want to make them aware of what they can do if they up to Andy and get a full set of speakers and a, and a good receiver. But I also, I want the opinions of, I want to understand what the person who's going into Best Buy, who has a right now, maybe has a 50 inch TV or something, and I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to get a 70-inch TV, and I'm going to get one of these sound bars. I want to understand that person's perspective because the guy who's got a really great, you know, SBS subwoofer or two, and God knows what great speakers and a really, and a really good receiver, what that person thinks of a $500 sound bar is not that important to me. I mean. Right. I, I'm happy to I'm happy to hear what everybody thinks because people are going to notice things I didn't notice and maybe things that I noticed that bothered me, they didn't notice. Right. The the more opinions you get, the better in my view, and the more I, it's great to get a good range of opinions. Um, but but also I always every time I do this, and this is the fun thing about it, it's always multiple products. It's always going to be might be four products. It might be eight products it might be 12 products we might do a few rounds and narrow it down so you have this chart you know where you have a final face off and it's just really really it's so much fun to me to 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 get to the end of it and find out what people really like and because sometimes i end up making sometimes the one i like the best is not the one that ends up getting picked so okay that's a perfect segue into when we, you and I talked over the summer, just, you know, message back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, you did a review, you did a, uh, best outdoor speakers. Yeah. Yeah. And I told you, I bought the, your top, the top ones. Do you remember mm-hmm. what the top ones were? Do you remember the name of them? Dayton audio IO X eight T or okay. something like that. All right. They're really good. They're phenomenal. Yeah. I had to send them back. They're huge. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, they're gigantic. Yeah, they're gigantic. So I would. I, I said so. I didn't. I, I didn't know you did. Like, I read it afterwards. Brett, I, Brett, oh, no. I trust you so much. I was like, well, if he says they're the best, I just went and I, I bought them, right? I bought two sets and I tried to put them out. They, they were in black, right? Yeah. So I have black, uh, like a wrought iron fence around my pool. So what I was going to mm-hmm. do is in the four corners, I was going to mount these to the posts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should have seen me out there. I'm like, these fence posts they only stand. I think they're like 48 inches, something like that. Yeah. So the, the posts and these speakers. And I was like, I'm holding them up and I'm like, oh my God, I can't. I was trying to rationalize how I could use these. I'm looking at one point, I'm looking up into trees. Like maybe I could mount them up there. And I, I, I finally, I came in and I showed one. I just said, I had these things sitting mm-hmm. in my garage when the packaging showed up. I thought it was just like, okay, they're just being safe. Right. Like yeah, it's a lot, all, of, air a lot of air yeah, and styrofoam. And right. Yeah. And then I, I pulled them out and I'm like, nope. <laughs> it's like, these things are massive. I walk in the house, hey. showed them to my wife and she went, oh no. And she says no to nothing. It was like, I mean, she would allow me to put up whatever I wanted. And even, and that's probably why she trusts me. Even I was like, oh, I can't, I just can't justify this because they are, they are massive, but that's what you get when it's like, I've, I've read you for years. I trust you. I'm like, I I just saw the headline. I'm like, pick the top one that he had in the bang. And they showed up and I was like, oh no. (laughs) See, that's great feedback for me though, because I live in kind of an isolated world. I don't have a wife that I have to get things approved by. And <laughs> yeah, if I didn't have her, so, they'd be out on a post. <laughs> so I, that's really good feedback for me. And I, I, now it's like, I have to update that article. God, like I think next month or the month after. Oh, really? And yeah. And so I'm going to go back to that article and make sure that right up in front, I said, Hey, these are gigantic. <laughs> Because so, I love that kind of feedback. I yeah, love, that's why are. I love to go into the comments section and see what people are saying because, you know, things that I might perceive one way, other right. people will perceive a different way. And all I want to do, I don't want to impose my will on no. um, on the readers. No, but that's all also, I want to do is make them happy. I want to get that. I want to steer them towards something that makes them happy. Yeah. But that's also on me too. It's like, I, that's what happens when you read the headlines. You don't get the whole story, right? I do too. Come on. <laughs> right? we, all and we all do that. Right. And, but it was, it was hysterical. I was just like, I mean, these things are so big that I was yeah. like, we were joking that they go, they would be good at a, like, at like, well, we call it, call it great woods center for performing arts that they do concerts there. These mm-hmm. look like the outdoors. My brother's in a band. They look like something a band would set up at the front of the stage. They're that big. They're they're actually I have I'm I have PA speakers as well because I play jazz gigs and they are no no, I don't have giant I don't have Metallica PA speakers but my PA speakers are about that big yeah and um, they're about as big as my PA speakers yeah yeah they're maybe a little smaller than those but yeah but you know if you want to have loud and you want to have plenty of bass you well that's what I wanted I was like. Nothing. I mean, these would have rocked the neighborhood. Four of them? <laughs> but you can always get an outdoor subwoofer, you know. Yeah, I I, I know. And I, Although that's that's a, that's a lot. That's a, an additional bunch of complexity. A lot of them are yeah. not very good. So. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't I think we, we might have a recommendation for those two. I can't remember. Yeah. Well, I'm not really in the market. I ended up, you know what I ended up doing? 
is I bought the uh, the Sonos Move. I bought two of oh. them. Put them outside. Cool. Yeah, that's that's a good Those idea. Those things crank. And you just pull yeah. them in when you're done. Put them on their chargers. I mean, I had a whole outdoor system running, and it was connected to Sonos. Uh, I had a through my amp, but then I just put yeah. these two out there, and everybody can hear it. It's fine because it's all just ambient music, anyways. It's not like we're in a show. Um, yeah. But let's get to this two channel stuff. And um, okay. so did you get a chance to see the uh, speakers that I sent you? The this guy, this might build these. Yeah. So they're uh, beautifully built. Yeah, my buddy Ara Dadarian built them. Uh, he's from mm-hmm. he does uh, HT Guys podcast. Mm-hmm. He's been podcasting for years and years and years. Um, and hang on a second, my stupid. Let me reset this. Now I got to edit this too. <laughs> Um, I have the information on my phone about them. They gave me, huh. but my app's not opening. He's got a JBL metal dome tweeter and he's got what yeah. looks like about a four and a half or five inch, uh, woofer, which is a poly woofer, which I, but I can't see what kind it is. Um, those look pretty cool and they're beautifully crafted. Yes. As long as the, uh, and I'm looking at the, Port. It looks like he prob. Oh, yeah, yeah. It looks like he probably got the port dialed in correctly. And I'm guessing somebody who did this much work actually got his crossover in there correctly. Yeah. So because I mean, that's where people screw up speakers so much is the crossovers. Oh, okay. So what he said is the crossover circuit came out of a JBL 2600 speaker. Um, hmm. He got that on eBay. He goes the woofer came out of a JBL 2500. And mm-hmm. the um, they were both made in the USA in the 1980s, and the tweeters came out of a JBL J520M, and uh, yeah, and it's cherry with walnut and paddock paddock trim on the front back. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he gave me all that was all the information cool. of him, and he I, he that's what he does. He just, he mm-hmm. loves to do, it's a, a hobby of his, just getting into woodworking and building speakers and just, uh, so he sent those to me just, just because I was like, what the? Cool. Yeah. And wow. so what I ended up doing is I, I ordered a, um, and it was a couple of weeks ago, I ordered them. As soon as I got the speakers, I was like, what do I do with these? What, what amp should I get? And he right away said the, uh, the new SVS prime base wireless base. Yeah, and, the sound base thing. Yeah, yeah, the yeah sound base. Sorry, and I obviously I've heard you guys talking about it mm-hmm. um, months ago. I think you talked about it, but um, and I know you know I've known about it, but I've had no need for it. And so I was like, all right, I'll do that. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll have I'll put those in my um, instead of a sound bar. And then I'm listening to HT guys just last week, Ara and Braden on their podcast. They had SVS on. And they were saying that people are starting to utilize this sound base as a, you know, two channels for their, yeah. their TVs and their sound bars. So I was like, cause it has an HDMI in and stuff. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Unfortunately, the sound base wasn't able to show up in time for me to be talking to you. So I haven't even mm-hmm. heard them yet. Um, but I'm, I'm very excited to get that in. I'm very excited to start listening to these. What are your recommendations on? I, now I'm I'm not likening these to my mountain bike. I think these are much nicer. I'm starting off. I'm I'm considering okay. a higher level, but 
as an audiophile, what what should I be looking for? Because my listeners are starting to say like they're DMing me, emailing me that I'm like, here you go, you're gonna be an audiophile. I go, I guess mm-hmm. so. I don't know. So what what should I start looking for? What what's some fun things I can do with these things just to get going? In terms of the setup or in terms of what to listen to on them? Or... Listen to, yeah. Because for right okay. now, and then when when I set them up, what can I do? Because right now they're going to go in the, just because of where my TV is, they're going to be in a corner. Um, I understand, you know, they're going to be pulled off the wall a little bit, but it's kind of situational. They have to be there. But when I, I'm building a new house and within a year, hopefully I'll be moving. And I'm going to set them oh, up cool. ideally. That was the idea. I didn't think he was going to give them to me this early. Uh, or at all, to be honest with you, but, mm-hmm. um, ideally I'm going to have a, a turntable. I'm going to get back into that just for the nostalgia, you know, Sure. and not for the quality. I'm not one of those people. Um, I literally want it for the, and I, I hope, you know, some vinyl people don't get mad at me, but I'm, I want it for the crappy, like when I was a kid, oh, well, right? I, 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 that, 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 but it's a thing. It's a, it's right. a thing. It, it's, it's like the nostalgia. a back to your, to your childhood and stuff. And I still like, I still like vinyl a lot. So, yeah. um, so I would say this is going to sound like a weird recommendation, Okay. but I have a couple of things to recommend. Um, for, for my money, Chesky records makes the best two channel recording. There are other very good ones, but Chesky is usually, they're just fantastic. And he changes what he does every few years. He does a different technique and stuff, but he still always ends up, this is, I'm talking about David Chesky, who's the mm-hmm. head of the company. They still end up with a great result. And so any of David Chesky's stuff or any of Chesky Records stuff is generally mm-hmm. great. Uh, sometimes it's it's not that much available on streaming. However, there's a, a sax player and singer named Camille Thurman, T-H-U-R-M-A-N, that they have done a couple of albums with. And uh, she has... I want to say she has three albums out, two of which are on Chesky. One is called Inside the Moment, and the other is called Waiting for the Sunrise. And they are both on Spotify, but they're not on, to my knowledge, I don't have Apple, but they're not on, they weren't on Cobas last time I checked. So they're not on a, I, I'm not, I don't think they're on like a full, you know, CD quality uh, streaming service. However, even the 320 kilobit per second streams you can get from Spotify are just mind-blowing on a good two-channel system. Um, in terms of the intimate, their live recordings, you know, they're, they're uh, the first one's actually a live show at a okay. Rockwood Music Center in Manhattan, where I've been. It's a little, a small venue, but it sounds really good in there. And then the other one is at like a larger theater in Brooklyn, but without an audience. And the ambience of these things is incredible. There's a great Chesky recording. I think it's on Spotify uh, called the Coriels, C-O-R-Y-E-L-L-S. It's Larry Coriel, who was one of my all-time favorite jazz guitar players, and his sons doing like acoustic guitars. They have a bass player and percussion and stuff. And j- just like the very first thing on it is just unbelievable it's called sentenza del cuore allegro i think but the whole thing is fantastic let's go to some non-chesky uh patricia barber who's a kind of well-known audiophile singer put out an album called click c-l-i-q-u-e mm-hmm. which is on Cobuzz. i don't know if it's on, i'm sure it's on the other you know like title and apple music and stuff um 
And that is really, really, really solid. I mean, I could just go on forever about audiophile recordings. I mean, there's so many I've heard through the years that still just blow me away. So what makes now I'm luckily this is all being recorded so I can go back mm-hmm. and listen to it back and get all this information. Um, so when you, what makes for a great audio file, like two channel recording, like what do you listen? What are you Brent listening for? And what makes it makes you go, Oh wow. Right. Okay. First of all, it has to have natural tonality, but that doesn't blow anybody away. No one's going to be like, Oh my gosh, the tonality of that voice is so natural. Um, <laughs> it's more the, it's more the, the, the sort of depth and the sound staging. So like on those Chesky things, if you have a decently set up two channel system, it's going to sound like sounds are coming from 30 feet past the speakers, even if you're in like a little room. Okay. Um, with some recordings, you get like a really big, like behind the head kind of effect, like it's surround sound, except it's just two channel. Right. Um, there's a record called, there's a, a percussionist named Trilok Gertu, T-R-I-L-O-K, G-U-R-T-U. And uh, the album is called Living Magic. It came out like 25 years ago. And it's got a song. The third song on it is I Wish I... Once I Wished a Tree Upside Down or something like that. And it's got all this percussion that swirls all around your head, even though it's just two-channel. And if you listen to it on like a set of panel speakers like Magnapans or Martin Logans or something... It's just unbelievable. It's still good on you know standard cones and dome speakers like you have, but uh, you can get some mind blowing experiences with this stuff, and you don't necessarily have to have a super fancy set of speakers to do it. Cool. So that that brings me to like I love like that that idea. I have a couple of points that I after listening to you for so long now, and I say listening to you. Um, I hope we get time to talk about that too. But the difference between podcasting and writing. But, um, yeah, exactly. Um, the idea of two channel is like now one of the best demos I've ever experienced was it was in the nineties and they were telling me they were basically showing off two channel and they made you Mm -hmm. think you were in a five, one setup. And then they told you here's where, but they sat you down in the perfect place and everything. And it did exactly like you said, it was, it sounded like everything was coming from all around you. Right. So with that, it's, doesn't it feel like, like the, the, the five, one setups and stuff, are they trying to duplicate great to channel or, I mean, in movies, no, I know what they're doing in movies mm-hmm. and sound effects and everything like that. But have you listened to any five, one setups and listened to no. some of the spatial sounds and how it, does that bother you? Or is it just an evolution of technology? How do you feel about that? That's a complicated question because there's so <laughs> yeah. many different mixes. And, you know, I, I used yeah. to work for Dolby and I was the yeah. head of marketing for Dolby when they were doing DVD audio. So I worked with a lot of 5.1 music mixes. And some of them are great and some of them are. I, I mean, I think a lot of them are trying to somewhat replicate the sound of a really, really good two channel system. And that's something you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, cause if you have hard, you know, hardware surround speakers back there, it's going to produce a solid <laughs> rear channel effect, yeah. you know, but 
so there's there's things you can do with those systems that are really hard to do with two channel, but are really easy to do with surround sound. But I'm going to say that with some of the best, really, the new immersive stuff that's coming out, um, they're doing things that are that that you can't do with a two channel system. Where there's a Blue Note recording, Blue Note did about a hundred. They they mixed about a hundred tunes, I think, in in sort in Atmos. And there's a Wayne Shorter one a tune called Infant Eyes, and uh, it sounds like it really sounds like you're in the studio with the musicians, and you get like a height effect of how tall the studio is, and you get it just sounds like you're there. And I've never, in a way, I've never heard with two channel before, and. I think because of the height effect, you can you can get a sense of the different, even the different instruments place placements above and below you. Now, remembering that that recording was done in the early to mid '60s, and it was live in the studio, mm. and it was in that was and you know back then you had no choice but to have a good sounding studio. You couldn't fake it. Mm. Or, well, it was hard to fake it. Now now you can record anywhere and maybe not this room, but you, know, you can record in a bedroom and slap some digital reverb on there and it sound, can sound mind blowing. But, uh, you know, some of those recordings really do something that two channel can't. Now, some of them are frankly, I think pretty bad sounding and pretty sort of amorphous and kind of blobby with where you don't really get any kind of specific sonic images and all that. You just get this big kind of fazy mess. And I hate that, but um, yeah. So I, I really think that it just depends on the 5.1 mix. And there, there are that's. I think that's Atmos is bringing back a lot of attention to that. A lot of people are trying to do it after they didn't do really a lot of 5.1 music mixes for well, about a decade there. Hmm. So, we, but you know, we'll see if anybody actually cares about Atmos for music, and we'll see. Uh, the last time I tested it, it was really hard to even find anything that would str- you, you couldn't get it on a hard piece of uh, a, a hard, a hard you know, right. format. You can only get it on streaming. Yeah. And the only device that would stream it at the time was was Apple uh, Apple TV. Yeah. Which I borrowed one and hooked it up to my surround sound system, and it sounded really good. But now the new Roku, the latest Roku, the latest top of the line Roku box can stream Atmos. Which I have, but I have not actually tried streaming Atmos music, but I will pretty soon. And um, you know whether or not that really goes anywhere, because how many people listen to music sitting on a couch in the sweet spot and 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 right. want to have the Atmos experience? Well, I think not that many. I think most of the most of the sweet spot couch people are two channel hardcore, right? So, I, I, you know, if, if I had the answers to these things, I'd be loaded with money. <laughs> and that, <laughs> but that, but that I don't. you're a big headphones fan. And that, I mean, you actually yeah. said at one point that you think that's where everything is going, right? Like you were thinking I like think, people are fading that way. <laughs> I, I, not everything, because, you know, but, yeah. what I rather, would I rather listen on, on headphones or speakers? I'd rather listen on speakers, but it's just not always practical to listen, you know, with headphones, you're always going to get an optimal result, no matter if I go like this or whatever with speakers, you know, I can, and I can leave the room if I want to, if I wasn't able, 
But um, I, uh, you know, with speakers, you're you kind of have to stay in one place to get a decent perspective on the sound. I, I actually listen to through little one piece Bluetooth speakers a lot because a good one is good and you can lug it with you from room to room and you can bring it outside as you were talking about with the Sonos Move. Um, you can travel with them and it gives me, I am, I like to listen to, to good two channel stuff, but I listen, I like to listen to a lot more music than I have time to listen in, in the sweet spot, you know? Yeah. I oh, want to yeah. be listening to, I want to be, I want to listen to Rush by Tour and the Snow Dog uh, in the shower, which I did this morning. So, um, <laughs> you know, and it was great and it was awesome and I loved it. I loved it so much that I ended up listening to all the different versions of that tune that they have on their live records and stuff. So that was a very fulfilling experience. Sound quality wasn't perfect. It was on a little Bluetooth speaker, but it was fine. And Yes, it's better on the full two-channel system, and I haven't listened to that in a while. I have the 180 gram vinyl of the live record, the first live record they did. So, and that was great to listen to after I'd only heard it on eight track before. So, but it was amazing on eight track. Yeah. Well, hey, that we talk about that in home theater too. It's like there's some content that it's just great regardless, and then there's other content that you kind of. You need that uh, enhancement of the home theater experience. Otherwise, you're yeah. like, that movie was crap. We're like, yeah, but you got to see it with all the explosions. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, before we get to a movie that's good regardless, I think, in my opinion, we'll see what you think. You actually liked last year's, um, but we'll get into that. I did want to touch on, and I think this gets into a little bit about what we already talked about. Uh, the difference between podcasting and writing. Mm -hmm. um, and when we were talking earlier about like home theater and stuff, and one of the reasons I think home theater went down in the magazine perspective, especially for me, it was uh, things are advancing so fast, almost faster than you can publish a magazine, right? Whereas yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, internet, yeah. you can, you can publish right away. It's out. It's done very similar with podcasting. Um, do you, I know you, obviously you still love writing, but do you feel like you're, you, you're reaching or have the potential to reach more people with podcasting? Like, or do you think that, um, writing is still the best way to get out to people? I never thought about that. Um, <laughs> if I want to explain something, if I want to explain a, a, a complex technical subject, uh, writing with you know illustrations is just infinitely better than podcasting. Um, I mean, so 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 much better. You know, a picture's worth a thousand words. Yeah, and you know, so much of podcasting is, you know, there's there's it's, so much of podcasting is uh, a, having a friendly voice there. Yeah, and uh, as you were kind of suggesting before a lot you know people like to listen to me and dennis just because we have a good rapport um kind of almost regardless of the of the actual content of what we're talking about so yeah. and i certainly there's a couple podcasts i listen to because i like the people so much yeah and there's some i don't listen to because i can't stand the people but um so i if i'm going to explain something yeah it's it's just 
doing it with words and pictures is just infinitely better than podcasting. But if I want to entertain people, um, podcasting is so low effort on the consumer's part that yeah they can just put it on they can right. listen to they, see, they can listen in the background you can't read in the background no and exactly <laughs> exactly so it's a it's very different media and i think that yeah I, I, time you know interestingly enough time wise it's not really all that different you know i can oh. write a review and yeah, if you look at like, you know, Dennis and I probably spend two hours recording each podcast, somewhere around there, maybe a yeah. little more. Uh, and then whoever edits it is going to spend six to 10 hours editing it. Oh. And is that a lot? Yeah, that's a lot. That's how I started, though. I did, honestly. Okay. I think well, you'll but, streamline that. But we, you know, we also, we cut for time because yeah. we don't want it to be too long. And we also... Dennis and I tend to ramble, especially me, and I'll go like, oh, God, who cares? Just cut it all out. And, uh, and you know, then we, I have a Focusrite Bowcaster, which uh, is just this unbelievably great USB interface that has like some built-in, has a built-in radio mode that just adds compression. It's like adds just the right amount of compression to EQ to make you sound great out of the box, whereas Dennis doesn't have that. I should just buy one. And... <laughs> Um, and so I have to like mess with it. I have to, I'm constantly like messing you like my voice. It's, it's perfect. I don't have to, I just leave the level set his voice. I got to go in there and mess yep. with the compressor. And sometimes it's easier just to go in and manually cut the volume down on places where he's peaking. Yeah. And so it's, we're still going through a lot of that. And, yeah. and we, when I moved, I moved earlier this year, I was living at hotels for a month and a half or something. And um, so I was recording in who knows what room and with whatever mic I could scrounge up and it was not good. So, but anyway, it's, it's yeah, time-wise, I think it's not, it's not terribly dissimilar because if, if you've been writing for 30 years, you can, you can write fast. Yeah. Well, that long. That's the thing. I mean, it's as soon as you started answering, I'm like, well, that you're a writer and you love, I mean, yeah. but I mean, for me, and I love your like, there's little effort on the reader, you know, on my part, on the pot listeners part. It's like, and that's yeah. the idea. It's like, I feel like I can, I mean, I, like I said, I've read you for years and years, um, on subjects that I like, but now you're doing a podcast on not necessarily a subject I dislike, but it wasn't mm -hmm. in my wheelhouse, but it was, it had you attached to it. So I'm like, yeah. And I knew you, you did start talking home theater here and there anyways, but it's like, it, it, it is, it's that friendly voice. So I think, I feel like you're getting that as a listener, it's easier to listen to a bunch of podcasts that you like than it is to listen to or to read all the time. You know, it's hard yeah. to read a lot in a, of, of a lot of things. So, um, I, I mean, obviously I'm, I guess I'm, I'm, I know, I don't guess I'm lazy. I like to get as much as, as easy as I can. And I, that's why I love podcasts now. So. Um, I listen to tons and I, and I've been listening to them since you had to get them on an iPod. And yeah. I, I just, I've re always really been into the format. And so it's, it's fun to do one. We I actually started one with, uh, there's a, a home theater writer named Jeff Morrison, who's mm -hmm. also worked at home theater magazine and many others. And he started one. I want to say it was 2008 
Okay. And the ma- but the magazine here and and he he came over to my house to do it because I had you know mixers and stuff and microphones and and I you know do I barbecue and stuff and we and some manufacturer would come over and whatever and and we'd have it all set up and and it was great except for the magazine he was the magazine he was doing it for like refused to pay him anything extra refused to give us you know the, the other participants any cut. And so Jeff said, well, I'm not doing this. And that was that. I think we did it for six months or something. And uh, But then a lot of other people, like Scott Wilkinson and some other people, started doing podcasts and, and started picking up on that. So we were way ahead of the, of the foggy. But podcasts, back then, they weren't, you know, there's accepted formulas now. Yeah. There's a lot more knowledge in terms of what's going to be popular and what's not. And it's a really different world now. Yeah. And I, but I love them. I mean, I, I just spent four days driving and I listen to a ton of new music when I drive. That's my chance to listen to. I listen to like all of Cream's albums, which I'd never done. I'd only ever listened to one of them. Uh, you know, I listen to, uh, you know, a bunch of new jazz albums I haven't heard. But I also listen to, I probably listen to 20 hours worth of podcasts or something like that. Yeah. And it's great. It is. You know. It is. It's great. Um, let me, before, uh, we're going to get to first blood and, uh, okay. uh, I had, I had another question. I can't even remember what it was. I can't. Oh, my recommendation. Easy, easy for you. And I, mm-hmm. I'm like salivating here every other week. You're podcasting every other week. What about mm-hmm. on the opposite weeks? Uncut. You put out an uncut version. <sighs> the two hour version where you get to hear you ramble and all that it, it's trust me people like it that's what i'm doing from i do that for my listeners in the green room i put out the uncut they get everything and then you put out the other one some of what we cut is when we decided not, we not too, arable <laughs> we, we were too hard on someone that's even bigger tease put it behind a paywall or something only your real fans no, can have hey it. i'm not <laughs> saying we won't do that but I, I like to, I, I don't like yeah. to be seen as a bad guy. And there are people no. who do see me as a bad guy um, because I'm countering their long held beliefs that are, right. you know, they're long held, but they're not yeah. substantiated or backed up by fact. Um, but they still are attached to their beliefs. Right. And I don't want to, all I want to make people realize is that, you know, Look, in audio, there there are people who willfully or, or willfully or ignorantly will mislead you mm. and and could make you blow a lot of money on something stupid or could make you miss great experiences that you could have that they're telling you are bad, but they're actually, you know, I mean, some of these guys say that you can't listen on headphones. Headphones are bad. It's like, no, they're not. Um, And, you know, some of these people, a lot of these two channel guys are like, oh, subwoofers are all bad. And, you know, that's just baloney. It's just ridiculous. And the reasons that they give for all subwoofers are bad are because they don't know how to set them up. See, home theater people, I would say pretty much all of them have some pretty good inkling of how to set up a subwoofer. Yeah. But with two channel people, they've had so much 
nonsense thrown at them, often by manufacturers, that they think you need something special for two-channel or, and, and granted, there aren't a lot of two-channel preamps with subwoofer outputs, et cetera, et cetera. But they think that it's it's just so hard to set up a subwoofer. Find me a home theater person that says that. Right. Exactly. They're all just like, what are you talking about? I, I plugged it in and maybe I did the subwoofer crawl or something and nope. I set it up and it sounds great. Yeah. What's the, and I set the level. What, what's the problem? What's I don't understand. What's the deal? And the, I really want to get, I, I think it's helping. It's both, it's both helping people if you can make them realize that there are just a lot of people in the audio world that are trying to hoodwink them for one reason or another. Again, willingly or, or unwittingly. Right. And, and, and also I, I honestly, I think it's, I think I honestly believe it's something of a service to humanity when you can explain some facets of, you know, critical thinking and say, you know, there's some guy, Dennis and I were just talking about it where uh, Sean Olive, famous researcher I mentioned before, uh, you know, is famous for the Harmon curve, right? Mm-hmm. They, they did a bunch of tests at Harmon to figure out what people like in a headphone. And they said, hey, here's a curve that says what people like. If you make your headphones sound like this, people will like them. Simple enough, right? And this Marketing. guy was speculating. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but it's true. But I it's mean, true, right? You know, it's based on research that based this is on what research. people like. Good, right. yep. solid research. Right. Research that is extensively documented if you take the trouble to read it. And some guy on Audio Science Review, some not the Audio Science Review guy, Amir, it's some guy, forum member, was saying, you know, commenting how, you know, he's sure that Harmon used half-drunk college kids and maybe the janitor, uh, and they listened to, you know, like flute solos. And... No, if you read the research, you realize none of that's true. And it's all completely documented. Yeah. And, you know, I feel, and I wanted to point out, this guy doesn't have any critical thinking skills. He's just, he's just making stuff up and he doesn't understand. He, he confuses stuff he's made up with reality. And I think that, that when you promote, you know, honesty, critical thinking, science, et cetera, it has a general benefit to humanity. And maybe I'm way overblowing the importance of my own work, but I genuinely feel that way. And I've had, I had a famous scientist who I don't want to name because I don't want to, he, he was off the record, but you know, he said, he's like, I really feel like what I do contributes to humanity in a way because I'm explaining to people how they can figure out what people are trying to BS them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh- I like to think that most people, when they're BSing, it's, it's accidental. It's it, it, based in ignorance. I don't, I, I'd hate to think yeah. that people are doing it on purpose, even in the maybe audio you shouldn't. World. Maybe you shouldn't dig too much further into 2.0 channel. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like. Because you're going to find a lot of baloney. No, I know, but I already know that exists, especially in the okay. subwoofer world. That's a whole tangent yeah. we can go on. And it's like, but all of that, but they're thinking is also, especially in the subwoofer world, their thinking is all rooted in the two-channel world of literally, like, the speakers need to be here to get that full effect, like you were talking earlier, to get that surround effect out of two channels, Mm -hmm. everything needs to be placed accordingly. And what they're doing is, is they're taking now subwoofers and saying, 
well, to get that effect with the base, you need to put those subwoofers right. You know what I mean? They're using the same theories in a wrong way. Only because they're, yeah. they're surmising instead of actually listening to the research that's like, uh, no, base waves move completely different. We can we need those to be reacting to the room you're in in a certain way and this and that. These two channels here that you have up here are, are it's completely different. We're going to be running different waves, you know, completely differently and we're going to use the room to do it and whatever. We don't have to go down that road. But I don't think they're doing, I don't think that they have the knowledge and are saying, no, I just want people to be wrong. You know what I mean? I, 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 yeah, I oh, totally. You know totally. what I mean? I don't I, think they're doing it yeah. on purpose. I just think that they're refusing. Nah, la, 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 la. I already know what I've learned, you know, kind of like old dog, new tricks. They, they just don't want to learn. So, yeah. And, you know, I honestly, I, I remember being at a, like a, like one of the shows we did at home theater magazine. Um, and some guy had a couple guys had a subwoofer. It's a really whack, really wacky room where they had like taken apart all, all their coaxial cables and they hand wound them with cotton fibers on the outside because whatever. And he was talking about how he had, he had this, these two subwoofers and it was stereo bass. And he's like, well, people tell you that bass is not stereo, but it really is. And he's making all these hand gestures like like this, like like talking about how the subwoofer disperses sound out into the room, whereas no subwoofers are omnidirectional yeah. at you know used within their normal you know uh, their normal frequency band. And no, they they're not. They're, uh, and 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 the guy just um, but but that and that was like 1998, huh. and. You still see the same thing persist today. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, um, one thing you say a lot and I appreciate, uh, is you're all about the experience, right? You mm -hmm. say that all time and time again, every time I hear you say the experience, I'm like, that's what I'm about. That's my podcast. Uh, let's get into the experience of first blood. Ooh. <laughs> What uh I'm I'm a little nervous now because this is one of my mm. all-time favorite movies. Uh I was a young, young teenager watching this on HBO is the first time I saw it. It came out in mm -hmm. 1982. Um you and I've been back and forth. We went back and forth on some movies over the summer. We went back to do, we never got to do. And then I was like, I was like, hey. You want to do First Blood? I've, I consider it a Christmas movie. I know it's not a Christmas movie, right? But I've watched this movie so many times, and it does have Christmas trees in the background. It has. It's at that time of year when this movie mm -hmm. takes place. So I've allocated it to a December watching annually. That's why I consider it. So okay. I, I said, would you like to do First Blood? Do you want to tell people what you said, or should I? <laughs> what did I say? You've never seen it. <laughs> I've never seen it. And, 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 and I, and to, 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 to add to that, I was, I, I went and looked it up on Amazon or something and I came to, and I put it on and I came to pretty quickly realize I was only dimly aware of this movie even existed. Wow. You're in the audiophile world. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, I, I thought, I remember there was so much hoopla around Rambo first blood part, part two. two. Yeah. 
And I was, I was, I have to, I'll confess right now. I've never really been a big Stallone fan. You said that last time you were on my brother, my brother and my mother went to go. We were all up at Steamboat Springs, Colorado first in the summer, just like hanging out in the mountains. And my brother and my mom went to go see Rocky at this little theater there when it just came out. And, and, you know, I didn't want to go. My dad didn't want to go, but my brother and my mom went, they came back and they were, my, my mother was like, Oh God, he's so stupid. He just, <laughs> and That's the character, I mean, she but yeah. completely, she completely didn't. And so I just sort of, it just sort of poisoned my young mind. I was probably yeah. 15 and I just never gave the guy a chance. And so now later I went and I saw the first Rocky movie, which is an amazing movie. Yes. And so I, I but I still have Stallone, even though I, I've actually interviewed yeah. him once. Yeah. Um, he told me, but, but I, you know, although about cigars, not about, I know. You, I but, know. Um, you told me. I was like, "Oh, you've met him, oh yeah. boy." So, uh, but anyway, so I still have this negative impression of him. So I, I guess, you know, so first blood part two. There's a lot of noise about that, and I just thought it's got to be stupid. And more on that later. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so I watched this. You know, first blood, whatever. First, first blood. Blood. I think it's called. Yeah, and. I was shocked because it's not a, it has elements of a sort of superhero movie and that he's this unbelievable uh, paramilitary dude who can do all these crazy things and can fight off an entire, you know, fight off, you know, hundreds of guys or whatever. And, but it has a, a, a very powerful message about, you know, the whole, the whole, which I was just like, Really? I thought it was just going to be like, no. I'm going to kill a bunch of dudes. No. And, you know, he goes and kills a bunch of dudes with a giant, ridiculously huge knife and stuff. But uh, but I, I thought it was just going to be that. I didn't realize that this was going to be making a social statement. And back then, you know, this was huge. The, term, the term PTSD, no. to my knowledge, didn't exist back then. No. And, and you know, I remember... I'm old enough to remember, you know, Vietnam vets coming back and some of them being kind of messed up into and to have known a lot of people that, that yeah. went over there. And cause all those people were five, six, seven years older than me. I mean, I, I missed, fortunately, yeah. uh, had I been a little older, I probably would have had to go. But, um, so it was a really powerful message. And back then, you know, if you had, they called it being shell shocked. Yeah, and it was like and you, you've seen Patton, right? Mm-hmm. And the scene in Patton where the guys are shell shocked, and Patton like throws them out and gets you know gets all mad and says they're cowards and all that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. And yeah, so people just didn't realize, and so you know, showing this awesome guy who's clearly not lacking in bravery, the fact that he has profound PTSD, yeah, was I, I was like, how did I? That 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 is a message that you could make a movie about now. Yeah, there's a lot more awareness of it. Whereas back then there was zero awareness of it, and and somehow I completely missed that. So I I really thought it was a it was a it was a fun movie to watch because you know he does, you know he does, uh, uh, you know I kill or incapacitate a bunch of people. You know, cartoon. He only kills one. 
I mean, he only and he, the guy I, in the helicopter, the helicopter, which you could say he didn't okay. really kill him. He threw a rock at right. a helicopter, and the guy or or, or yeah. kills or incapacitates. And but you know, Brian Dennehy's character in there oh. is so you know cartoonish, late nineteen seventies sheriff or whatever. Who it's supposed to be set in <laughs> right where I live, exactly you know, Washington State, but um, but it makes you feel like it's in you know. North Carolina in 1960 or 1970 or something, which, you know, I, I lived in the South way back then. And I do remember it, but um, it was, it was, uh, that was fun. But the fact that it wrapped up in this really kind of profound and powerful and important message to me was really great. And as a movie, it certainly holds together. I mean, a lot of the movies back then have a, you know, the technology sucked. You had to, if you didn't spend a lot of movie to make a, if you didn't spend a lot of money back then to make a movie, the movie probably didn't look all that good. Right. Whereas now you can make a really good looking movie for nothing, but, or, or for not that much. But um, I have to say though, that, you know, just for you, <laughs> I watched Rambo first blood part two. Oh, you did thinking, thinking maybe, I'm like, you know, I just want to be absolutely sure in case he might surprise me and said, oh, no, I meant First Blood Part 2. No. I would then, then I can still carry on a conversation. But I did watch that. And I do have things to say about that one as well. Oh, boy. Um, okay. So m- let me, uh, I got some background on this. Now, grew up, uh, my dad is a Vietnam vet. And oh. so- all of this stuff that he is um, going through, my dad growing up, he always had the best stories to tell me. He was always like, he would tell me his stories of Vietnam and they were always with a laugh and a joke. And I don't want to say them here, but they were, they some of them were of the violent variety, but he always mm-hmm. had a positive outlook on everything. So, Watching Rambo or First Blood, I should say, I was like, okay, well, this is just, you know, as a kid, most of what goes on in this movie, I was oblivious to. As I started to get older, I'm like, oh, okay. Mm." I start to realize the ending because as a kid, I was just like guns running through the woods. This was kind of fun, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Something happened when I was 18 years old that uh, I realized my dad was a little closer to this than the happy go lucky guy that I knew. Wow. Yeah. So that took on a different meaning. I read the book, uh, highly recommend the book, David Morrell. I don't know if you know it. There's a book too, Brent. <laughs> Look, I didn't, I didn't know I the know. movie existed really well, until like, I don't want to ruin it for you. If you have any chance of reading it, do you not want me to ruin it for you? Or do you want to read don't it? Don't ruin it for me. I, don't I, ruin I, it? I, I might read it. Okay. I highly recommend looking it up. Okay. It's actually better than the movie. Of course, Ooh, most good. books are, cool. um, but I think you would really enjoy it. Really enjoy it. Cool. Um, especially I, I if you love that the on movie, my Kindle if you list. like the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I won't ruin that for you, but read the book, got into that. Uh, now get into first blood, uh, Rambo first blood part two. My uh, listeners okay. know I've told that story on the podcast. That was the first movie that I first rated our movie. I got to see my dad took Mm. me to it. Okay. So Mm. my dad being a Vietnam vet on a Tuesday night says, 
Deej, come with me. And I'm like, okay, where are we going? And he takes me uptown and we go to the movies on a school night, no less. I was like, wow, double feature here. I mean, I'm, I'm not supposed to see this and it's a school night. We're walking out of the movie and I look at him. And I still remember crossing the street and I'm like, what'd you think? And he goes, ah, could have used more action. Right. Big joke on his face. He's sarcastic. Oh, okay. 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 He's okay. a sarcastic okay. guy yeah. like me. Uh, so he's all laughing. So we're in the car, we're driving. We haven't even really left the movie theater yet. And I said to him as a 15 year old kid, I'm like, oh, there was a lot of hubbub about that movie because the Vietnam vets were protesting it. It was glorifying what they, it was the exact opposite mm -hmm. of what oh. first blood is right. Yeah. First blood was paying an homage to the vets. This one here was kind of glorifying it. And it, so people were protesting it. And there was a lot of protest for the, to the point that as a 15 year old, I noticed it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I said to my dad, I go, and now whatever happened to me at 18 that I know that kind of changed my perspective of my father. I'm like, I didn't know this at the time, but I was like, dad, what are these people talking about? Why are they so upset? But you're not, you were there. And he just looked at me and he was like dead serious. And he's just like, some people, they just, they're just hurting and they don't know how to get it out. And he goes, I just don't want to go there. You know, they just don't know how to deal with it and they're dealing with the best they can. Yeah. So I was just like, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it's like, and that's why, I mean, it's not a joke. That's why I'm bright side home theater. My mm -hmm. dad was always positive about what could probably be one of the worst things to happen to a kid yeah. getting drafted and having to go off to Vietnam. Right. And that's why this movie, you know, I loved it. Like I said, I was a, a, probably a 13, 12, 13 year old kid first watching this. And I was just like, yeah, that's like me playing guns in the woods. Right. That was fun. Yeah. It has progressed over the years. And like you said, it's like, it's an amazing, every year I watch it, that ending, you're just like, you get choked up. Um, yeah. Did you notice? And I, I loved your thing about your, your mom coming home from Rocky. And blah, 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 blah. Did you notice at the beginning of first blood, he has, he does not have the Stallone stereotype. Yeah. He walks in and he's like, I can't remember her, uh, Delmore Barry. I think it was, and, and he was talking to his mom and he's like, mm -hmm. he's like, Hey, is, is Delmore here? There's no, Hey, is Delmore here or yeah. nothing. It was dead on. He had a smile. He had everything. Yeah. Right. And then what, as soon as he found out he died, he's like, that's the rest of the movie. He's just went, Foom. he barely has a line until the end. Yeah. You know, it, I, I, that I noticed this year for the first time. I mean, the guy's been in good. Let's 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 not forget the guy's actually been in good movies where he had to act. Yeah. Rhinestone. And he did a good job. I mean, well, uh, Copland, <laughs> my favorite. I know. Rhinestone's a joke. He was singing with Dolly. Parton. I never. I didn't. I obviously didn't see Rhinestone. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so Copland was awesome. I yeah. Copland was awesome. awesome. He was great. Absolutely that. awesome. So, yeah. Um. You know the guy. The guy can act, and and he also let's not forget he he he, he you know he wrote a lot of his own stuff. Yeah, and and Rocky was an amazing movie. Yeah. Um. So, but you know he's playing a, a he's playing a character who's had been beaten up a lot and who talks like that. But yeah. um. Now I'm not going to say that I think Sylvester Stallone is necessarily the most articulate individual in the world. Um, but still he's not, he's not the character that you see in the movie. Right. Um, and, and even in, even in Rambo first blood part two, which is a, 
cartoon movie, essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not stupid in it. No. They leave the stupid to someone else in that movie. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of offensive, actually. Maybe not then, but now. Because, like, the woman... So the woman who's, like... the Cole? Yeah, the woman who's, like, the agent that he's supposed to interact with. Yeah. I mean, she's she's clearly speaks fluent American-accented English. Yeah. Except they force her to leave out... So, so I mean, you know, he says, you know, I'm expendable. And she says... What mean expendable? Right. It's like me talking to you say, DJ, thank you for having me on your podcast. What we talk about. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on. This is so stupid. I mean, clearly this woman is is has has been raised in is is, is American, basically. Right. And and, and yet she's pretending to, with this and she's not even it would have been better if she put on a phony accent. It was just so stupid. Um it's a great point. I never th- I never thought of it because back then that was common, but yeah, that doesn't even need to be there. Like, what was the point of that to show that she doesn't no. know? I mean, you could t- you take that whole line out and you don't need it there. It doesn't advance the movie. All it does it's is just to, to, yeah. to degrade to the character. Yeah. It's just like, you ever see Johnny Quest? Yeah. The original Johnny Quest. I mean, there were like three guys that did the voices for all yeah. of those characters. And they put on these bad, like 1960s stereotypical accents of whatever country they were in. And it's hilarious to listen to it now. It's just so stupid. You'd be in so much trouble now. (laughs) You know, um, but, but, you know, this kind of, kind of harkens back to that, but I kind of thought they could have done better. in what was this? 1984 or five. Five for Rambo. yeah, Rambo. Five. Okay, yeah. Part, part so, two is. Fun. I mean, they could have, they could have done a little better. But you know, I still, it, it's funny though because I think the reason I didn't go see that is because partly because of my anti Sylvester Stallone bias. But you know, back then, action movies still were a, a very déclassé genre, and like everyone assumed they would be stupid, and up until, Terminator, and which you know, I, I. Actually, I did my own research. And uh, so Jim Cameron wrote the original screenplay of Rambo First Blood Part Two. And while he was working on Terminator and he was working on Aliens at the same time, he was doing like all these movies simultaneously. Um, And I remember like, you know, we saw, you know, you know, we had gone to see Conan, the the whatever Conan, the destroyer Conan, the golf pro or whatever. <laughs> and I stole that joke from David Letterman, but, um, so, but you know, and, and, and those movies, I mean, as fun as they are, they're pretty stupid. Oh, God, and yeah. so, you know, when it came out in the, and the poster said Schwarzenegger Terminator, we're just all just like, Oh <laughs> God, this is going to be so stupid. And I remember my friend Terry and I, who does the interstitial music for a lot of the Dennis and Brent podcast. Um, Terry said, let's go see Terminator. <laughs> I'm like, all right, what the hell? And we go, and it's just like, yeah. oh my God, that's the best movie ever. And that, <laughs> sh- that changed, and, and then, but th- that showed people that you could do an action movie that was really intelligent and funny and witty in a non-stupid way. And then, you know, you, you moved on to things like Robocop, which also fantastically great movie. So, 
but eventually you 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 know action movies got to where they didn't necessarily suck and now there can there are great ones and bad ones still but a lot of them are some of the better movies that are made and but back then it, boy that if when you saw rambo first blood part two and he's like you know here with a gun you're just like oh god this is gonna be stupid yeah so, and, and and i i was never aware of the first one i mean I remember it said first blood part two. So that made me assume there must've been a first blood part one. Right. right. Um, but I never thought about it for longer than I just said. So. Yeah. The first blood part two is basically the, you know, the eighties popcorn film, the action genre that ended up being the eighties action genre. Right. Yeah. But first blood is not, it is not part no, of that. Action. Not at all. It's actually a, a, a movie, a good movie. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of action in it. Yes. But that's not, but it's fairly well grounded. Story. Yeah. yeah. It's fairly well grounded. It's, you know, it's not, I mean, falling into the tree, maybe, you know, it's like, but I mean, yeah. you could see how that could be plot. That's his only way out. What do I got to do? You know, and it's like, it's either die this way or die that way, but you survive, you know? So, I yeah, mean, I'm, you can see that yeah. stuff, but it's not. It's not something that's over the top like we got into the mid '80s and stuff like that. It it was just a message, really. Yeah, there are soup there. There are some sort of superhero elements to it because, like you said, some of the yeah. stuff he does in there is a little on the implausible side. However, um, it's mostly a story about a, a veteran who returns home and doesn't want to be bothered, but people, you know, he's just just trying to walk down the road. But he's getting hassled by, you know, uh, uh, rural cops, and he's being being treated really badly. And they finally push him over the, the his limits, and then he tries to survive and not get killed. So, uh, you know, I thought it was it was I was shocked. I was really really surprised that it was a Stallone movie that was that deep and that socially relevant and socially important and. You know, it just didn't, it just didn't feel at all like what I expected. So thank you for turning me on to that. You're more than welcome. (laughs) But to your, to your point of the, um, you know, the cops, the treatment that he got at the beginning of that movie, um, he did a really good job of portraying and flashing back exactly what he was going through there. And then you start to look at it. and, And again, in my younger days, I just looked at it as like, oh, this is what's happening. You look at that now and you're like, this is how this, the cops are treating somebody. They're treating somebody like a, like somebody that's been tortured. And here's somebody in, you know, they're portraying it in a film, but he's being, that's what makes them think that they're, they're stringing him up. Yeah. Coming at him with a razor. They're doing, and I thought they did, you know, and then hitting him with the hose and they're doing all this. And it's like for, at the end of the day, you're like vagrancy. And I mean, how that, you yeah, know, Richard Crenna's line for that. Yeah. It's like, what the, and, and like you said, it's like, I think you liken that to, you know, something, you know, sheriff in the South, maybe, I yeah. don't know, but, but yeah. it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's crazy, but to make a movie like that and to have it, I, I just think to, to take those two worlds, you know, Vietnam vet and, and this, and that small town situation and put them together to come out with something like this, I thought was, yeah, it is pretty amazing when you look at it from that perspective. So, yeah, so 
Good, good on you, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Not that he's there you go. Now you, this, you're going to have to run into him again so you can tell him. I, I, I'm, I, am, I'm, I am extremely heartbroken to say that'll probably never happen again. <laughs> it was a, it was a very, I used to write about cigars for Rob Report magazine. Yeah. And I, you know, and I went to a really fancy cigar dinner by a company called Prometheus. It makes, you know, lighters and humidors. And it was co-sponsored by Arturo Fuente cigars and stuff. And there were a lot of celebrities there. And I think it was like 500 a plate or something, but I got in free because I was, I was going to like write about it for their website. And so I had to go interview a lot of the celebrities like, you know, Joe Montaigne was there and um, Paul Reiser was there. And, uh, oh, a few, I can't remember. Uh, sadly, I did not interview Glenn Hughes, former bass player and singer of Deep Purple and Trapeze, who I just love, but whatever, yeah. stupidly did not go interview him. But, um, you know, and so it was, it was just for that reason. And they're all like sitting around and I'm like, Hey, I'm writing about it for the website. And it's, it's all for, it's all a charity event anyway. So they kind of have to talk to me or they're jerks. And, you know, basically what they all said was, yeah, cigars are good. Charity. Good. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Really in-depth interview with Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) That's great. That's, (laughs) that's fun. That's so much fun. Um, it, it, I, clearly you set your expectations pretty low walking into the interview. So you're, you know, having some fun with it. Well, it was all, it, it was, it was at the Peninsula Hotel in, in LA, which is right in the middle of, uh, 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 oh, blanking on the name. There's a big area in the West part of LA. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of tall office buildings, Century City. And, I don't know what floor this thing's on, but it's on a pretty high floor and there's a big spectacular pool and it's a peninsula hotel. So it's really beautiful. And there was like a U shaped thing. There were like, like tables going down both sides of the pool and then in the back. And so the celebrities were all just like sitting at these tables, having their cigars and their meal and their fancy scotch or whatever. And, and, you know, people were talking about the charity or whatever, something. And, um, you know, so they were kind of captive. So it wasn't like they agreed for me. I just basically walked up to them and said, hey, I'm doing an article for the website. Can I ask you a couple of questions? And they're like, yeah, sure. Because a lot of them, like Joe Montaigne was a, a co-sponsor of the event and uh, and did a lot of the presentation and stuff like that. And, um, you know, Stallone was just there because, you know, there was it was a celebrity L.A. thing and it was a charity and they had mind-blowingly good cigars. So, yeah, what's not to like? Yeah. And, you know, 500 bucks for Sylvester Stallone is not exactly a big investment. Yeah. No, (laughs) no, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Um, I was hoping you'd tell that story again. I, you told me a little, not in as in depth before, but you'd told me. Well, it was, it was great. And it was the, 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 I went to three or four of those dinners and they were all amazing. And the food was always great. And the cigars were just like way over the top cigars, like the best cigars you could ever have. And, uh, and you know some celebrities and and the, and it was and it's all for charity. It's all for like a, a there's a uh, some of them were for actually veterans charities uh, and then some of it was it was usually split between uh, veterans charities and um, the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which the Fuentes do. And Fuente is like the you know uh, uh, Carlos Fuente is like the Michael Jordan of cigars. He's like the absolute top and. So he's got a charitable foundation where they, you know, they 
have a factory in, in a factory and farms in the Dominican Republic. And he's, you know, when he got there, there was nothing but huts. And now they built schools and all this kind of stuff for the kids. And they have all these community centers. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a very worthwhile charity. So the whole thing is a nice charitable event. And they haven't had one for a long time, partly because of the pandemic and all that. Oh. And I don't, sadly, I don't smoke cigars that much anymore. <laughs> harder in Seattle, man. It's always cold. <laughs> so you got to go outside. Now you got to go outside. I'm not going to smoke. And I don't, I used to smoke indoors. I used to love it when I had a three, two projector, you know, the old three, two projector. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. sit there in my own theater room smoking and you see the smoke kind of go up and it's, it turned like red, green, and blue. It was really cool. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> that's, that's why to have one. <laughs> it's like, that was it talking about home theater back in the day those things weren't cheap either like now you oh, can get no. a, a great projector like you were saying earlier like you can get a tv you can close your eyes and and best yeah. anything from 10 years ago those projectors i remember reading about those and just oh my god it's like i mean we had 32 inch tvs and that was as big as i could get and to, yeah. to even dream about a three tube projector oh my god forget it those yeah and they started insane. at five thousand they started at about 5,000 bucks back then back then and to, right. get into a, to get into a good one was more like 12,000 and they weighed, you know, a hundred something pounds. You had to, they were hard to hang. Yeah. And, and the calibration process, once you were good at it, took, if you were really good at it, eh, close to two hours. Yeah. You had um, to do each tube, you, right? If it was a projector, you knew backwards and like my Zenith, I used to carry from apartment to apartment and ceiling mount it. And I could do that thing in an hour, less than an hour. And because I was, I knew where everything was and it had, it had, a, it had a board full of potentiometers and you could just reach up and just start turning knobs. Yep. Whereas, you know, now you got to go into the menus and, but it was such a complicated thing. And then you had line doublers back then for, for a lot of them, which yeah. added Faruja? five grand. Yeah, yeah. Which is now of course built into every TV for yeah. nothing. And but you know, back then they were five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand. Oh yeah, and yeah, and it, so it was just it was it was an unbelievably kind. And plus, they were really dim, so you had to yep. have like just the right screen. You had to have a completely darkened room. Yep. But it was still like, oh, it was such a great experience. It was so much better than uh, than the TVs that you could buy at the time, and yeah. you could get a much better picture. You know, you could dial in the color perfectly, which. The TVs at that time, no, they right. just, they just didn't look that good, and so it was a wondrous thing, and it made it certainly felt special to me. And I loved those days, and I'd have a great surround sound setup with you know our Logic or whatever, and that was what Dolby did before Dolby Digital. No, and, I know. Uh, for those I'm who don't know, I know you know. <laughs> I know you know. You were there, but a lot of people probably don't know that. No, I know. And so. It was it was pretty great. I miss those old projectors. I sure don't miss lugging that thing with me. But after 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 you got it dialed in, God, it sure felt good to sit and watch that thing. And you know you know what's funny? It's it's people like yourself that that wrote about those things that drove people like me to where we are today, right? Because we yeah, it it, it, so. it, it was like oh, these things are so great, but you knew. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't even explain. Like I never thought I would have a projector because back then it just seemed so unattain unattainable for the normal person. Like you said, at it five thousand, twelve thousand yeah. dollars, 
back then back was, then. was yeah. that's close to like a quarter of a salary for most, for a lot of people back then. Right. So you're like, yeah, I'm into home theater. I'll make You know, I was big into home theater. I was working a factory job, making like $25,000 a year at the time as a, mm -hmm. I was a kid, I was newly married and stuff, but I'm like, Oh, $10,000 for a projector. Like you said, the line doubler Ferruja video processor be like, yeah. Oh, and this way here, you won't see the lines on your screen. And I'm like, Oh, I need that too. And you're like, ah, it was just unattainable, but still reading about those things and, and, and trying to aspire to it. And then we get into the two thousands and we come up with the DLPs, the digital project. We come up with all the stuff that, yeah. that's a, there are people that still say like, oh, the CRTs are still better, but now we can get this. It's like, well, for color, Brent, for color. <laughs> it's like, I know, but it, it, it's stuff like, and I'm hoping that someday there's kids talking about what I'm doing now, what you're doing now. And it's like, oh, I didn't think we could get to that, but who knows? You never know. And it's yeah. like, it's, it really is. It's like, so what was the color like through the cigar smoke? <laughs> um didn't that create a shadow on you <laughs> not that much oh really uh, uh to my disappointment because i kind of hoped it would but if you got <laughs> enough smoke you, you would see that because you know you're still blasting a pretty solid amount of light right there and so you'd see that the smoke would just go up kind of gray and then it would turn red green and blue right. from the tubes um but it really didn't dim the picture that much oh, okay. it would have been cooler if it if it did <laughs> but yeah, I was, there weren't a lot of people that did that back then. No, I think there were, I think there were two guys who actually reviewed this, that, those things. I think it was me and Al Griffin who yeah. still kicking around. Yeah. He works for Tech I Radar remember his now. name. Yeah. I remember um, reading him. I think Al Griffin and I used to review those things, but I, I think for, for a couple of years there, there were only two of us who would do it. Um, and you'd go to, I'd go to dealer training for those things and yeah. like Runco, you remember Runco? Oh Yeah. Yeah, no, I remember yeah. reading an article about Runco and they had a projector that was a hundred thousand oh, dollars for yeah. for a Runco, right? And it and I still remember reading this. And I had I, I brought the magazine to my wife and I went, look at what it says here. Hundred thousand dollars and it can be mounted inverted so that you can piggyback two of them for a brighter picture. A hundred thousand dollars and you're gonna put in yeah. two? <laughs> I, I I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. And go through a lengthy calibration and then <laughs> yeah. recalibration every year, I'm sure, uh, to get them because they're going to drift, you know. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, but that was that was a kick. That was kind of awesome. Those those days were just great, and and it was it was a lot of fun, man. It was really it was really cool to go do that. Whereas now, I think there's something a little bit lost when things become, yeah, they're way better Simple. now, but, and they're generic and anybody can go buy one and set it up and it's really bright and it looks great. And you don't have to do anything, but maybe select cinema mode and you're, you're, you're kind of dialed in and it's so, and you know, you can mount them on, you can hang them from the ceiling or put them on a bookshelf or whatever. And it doesn't take a lot of skill to hang that from the ceiling. Yeah. And it's just so much, easier but i think that something's lost when things become easy i'm not yeah. going to say it's not better overall it's way better overall well now but yeah. i i i enjoyed I, I maybe it's just an ego thing i enjoyed being the only person 
that I knew who yeah. had a projector hanging from his ceiling. Certainly the only guy in a New York apartment. Right. Of all the people yeah. I knew who had a projector <laughs> hanging from his ceiling in New York City. So that was really, yeah, people would come in and be just like, whoa. Because, you know, in New York City, people were watching little tiny CRTs. Exactly. You know. Well, you're right though. It's like, as you make things, as technology allows and makes things simpler, it, it, the masses can get it, but it starts to, and that's what I still think is special about home theater is that, like we said earlier, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up shortly. We're getting there. I know I'm watching the clock for you, buddy. Um, okay. Thank you. So, uh, no, but with home theater, it still is a little to have a dedicated theater that's the enthusiast because it's still yeah. not easy to do. Like we said earlier with the sound yeah. bars and stuff like that, but back in the nineties, eighties and nineties, it was, it was hard to do this stuff. And that's what made it special. It was a non-starter yeah. for a lot of people because it was very difficult to do and expensive. But then you had people like myself that were trying to get it without the expense. So that's difficult to do, but we were working at it. So there's, there's a passion there that kind of gets eliminated when the masses get it right. And all of a sudden you're like, now yeah. everybody has what I worked 30 years to get. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. kind of takes it away. But the whole theater enthusiast now with the, you know, what we're doing, it still is, there's still a bit of that. And that's what we get into the audio file and the enthusiasts where we're talking about, you know, we're going that extra mile and it still exists. It's just easier for people yeah. to get close. It's way, it's so, well, and also, it's at this point, home theater. It's back, back then, you almost kind of needed a custom installer to really nail it. Whereas now, I think home theater enthusiasts can do. It's hard to make it look as nice as a custom installer would, but you can calibrate it. Yeah. You know, you can use Ruby Q Wizard. And there's so much knowledge out there on the internet that you can get as good a result sonically and visually as a professional can. Yeah. And that's a big, big, big deal. So especially, you know, you've got uh you know, things like Dirac and stuff yep. like that, where it's kind of push button calibration and it's pretty yeah. good. Yep. Uh certainly better than 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 installers would have done in the nineteen nineties, that's or even the two thousands. No, you had to have your SPL meter and a tape measure to do all of that. Yeah, and you and you had to and you had to have really uh you know, something like a Rumi Q wizard before they had Rumi Q wizard. Right. You know, you'd have these old audio control 30, I think it was a 3060, you know, SR, uh, real time analyzers, you know, with the actual like little red yeah. LED bars that went up and down. And uh, I used to borrow one of those from a, a guy named Ivan Berger, who was a famous audio writer who worked on audio magazine back in the day. And I'd borrow his and, and do, you know, and try to check out rooms and try to, and maybe you'd have an EQ you could adjust a little bit because none of the receivers had EQ built in, but no. maybe you have like a rain EQ or an audio control EQ, or maybe you just mess with the subwoofer controls or whatever, but you try to get stuff. Whereas now you just bing and it's way better than you could have done by hand, you know, yeah. with the old school methods. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. it's, it's, and it's cheap. And so much cheaper. So much cheaper. Price, prices have come down. Said. We're making more now than we were back then. And the prices are cheaper now than they were back then. It's just like, it's crazy, but it's, I mean, yeah, 
good for us. I mean, it's, but it's, it's great. Hopefully it keeps, hopefully home data keeps growing. Um, I don't see, I don't see why I wouldn't, you know, manufacturers are still making the speakers and people, yeah. there's still what three companies more or less in the AV receiver business. Sony, yeah. Amaranth, Yamaha. Where'd Pioneer go? What happened? Oh, they to them? died. They yeah. died, man. Sadly, they still they were big. There's a there's a brand now called Pioneer DJ, which is the same logo, and they okay. make a really outstanding set of uh, little desktop speakers for two hundred bucks. Really, 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 really good. Um, but sure, I think they're more intended for use with the the thingies and the stuff that DJs do. Oh, whatever okay, they yeah. do. I'm way too old to understand that stuff. But um, you know. They still exist, but yes, yeah, sadly, you know, that's that's a brand, you know, Kenwood. I mean, Kenwood still kind of exists as JBC Kenwood, yep. but not really. Um, there were so many, uh, you know, techniques that exist as a yep. really good two-channel brand, but not as a home theater brand. Um, and, you know, I think most of the two-channel companies, it used to be like every two-channel company, two-channel amp company had to have a surround processor. Now, very few of them do. My first receiver, you'll never guess. Optimus. Oh my god! From Radio Shack. Wow. <laughs> that was made by Pioneer. Yes, right? they were made by Pioneer. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, they were made by Pioneer for Radio Shack, and they were called. It was called Optimus. Um, my buddy that I, John, he worked at. Uh, he worked at a Radio Shack. Mm-hmm. So when we started, when I started in on home theater in the eighties, I was like he was working there so i could buy one i bought the cheapest one saved yeah. up, played with it for a month brought it back returned it and upgrade he gave me full credit <laughs> upgrade to the next version wow. <laughs> and that's how i upgraded my system but that's why i started there it wasn't by research or anything it was just accessibility i'm like okay here's my plan yeah. right and it's like you just worked your way up and and mickey mouse your way around but yeah optimus that's pretty funny. Yeah, Radio Shack for those people who don't know what Optimus was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. So, uh, Brent, it's been over two hours now. Uh, we got a little bit of first blood in there. That was good, and I'm we did. I'm glad check to have out. introduced it to you. Yeah, check it out for all the listeners out there that have never seen First Blood. <laughs> check it out. Read the book too by David Morell. You can't. I'm going to read the book. Fantastic. I don't know if I'm going to read it. I, the thing is, it's on my. I, I'm. I'm 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 just about to turn sixty one, so I'm starting to make a list of books that I want to read after I retire, which should be a few more years. Oh um, no! Because then I'll have more time to sit and read. I won't have anything else to do. Maybe so I'll sit and Podcast. read and actually read good books. I'm collecting. Well, hey man, who knows what the future's going to hold? And, and yeah, for God's sake, the media business is so, to put it nicely, dynamic yeah. that. Who, who's to say all these, you know, the, the, so much of the focus now is on YouTube reviewers yeah. and no one would have guessed that five years ago, even five years ago. Yeah, they existed, but it wasn't, it wasn't a huge deal. Now it's huge and there's, and podcasts are big and who knows what the next thing will be. But I'm at my age, I'm probably not going to be the one who thinks it up. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, Two hours, two plus hours. I need you to stick around after we sign off for a second. Sure, I got to get sure. one other thing out of you quickly, but we'll sign off okay. from here. Uh, thank you 
to everybody out there listening and watching. Brent, thank you very much. Uh, all the links. Thanks for, for having me on. Always. I, I want to have you back sooner than ever, than year, maybe by in. We can do that. Two, two times a year. We, because we this, can do that. Who knows what tangents we go on? It's, it's, well, I'm every, not moving for a while. So, well, you're going to go back to, you're going to go back help. to Seattle, right? Yeah. So you're going to drive back there with Missy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so. go to CES on the way. Oh, you're going to see CES? Uh, hadn't oh, hadn't okay. planned on it, but I have a friend in, in Phoenix who's happy to keep Missy. That's my shit suit. Oh. Um, while I'm at CES, so she'll keep Missy for a couple of days and I'll go get oh, Missy again nice. and drive back up and big fun. Oh, do you ever go to Cedia? So, have you ever been to yeah, Cedia? Yeah, I went I went this year for like a day. You were there this uh, yeah, just, I was just thinking like of going. I kind of ran through it. Uh, yeah. I, I've oh, I've only ever missed like one Cedia show ever, maybe oh, two. Okay. I think I missed two ever. I was at the very first one, in fact. Um, oh wow! So uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I've been to a bunch of those things. I'm trying to get to. I was supposed to go this year, uh, didn't work out. But I'm m- making. I think I'm. It's almost a hundred percent. I have to go next year. I'm having well for home theater for home the theater. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to that. So um, it's, I think, where's it? It's in uh, Colorado, Denver, is it? Or this year? Are they back in Denver? It was in Dallas this year. Dallas this year was. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about next year. I don't know if I'm going. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, it kind of all depends on scheduling. I mean, my, yeah. you know, wire cutter, who's my employer really. Yeah. Um, well, no, they're my employer now. And, um, so they, they may want me to go or they may not want me to go or they may not care or whatever, who knows something, something. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll hit you up and see if you're there. Cool. So cool. that'll be cool. But yeah, thank you everybody for watching. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, I don't know. I'll be back soon. I don't know when this is coming out, but I'm uh, multiple times a week, uh, having a blast. Thank you, Brent. Uh, we'll be back again soon. And, uh, till next time. Go push play. Hey, Fred. This has been a Hey, Fred production with theme music by Jeff Bernhardt and Throne Vault Productions.